Good evening, everyone. You are listening to the podcast The Leaves of a Victim Nevermore with Stephen Wilson. My name is Stephen Wilson, and I am a drug addict, drug user, and I am a survivor of childhood sex abuse. This podcast is for anyone that believes they are a victim of abuse or addiction. This podcast has grown since I first started it. I am no longer active in Narcotics Anonymous because I have started using again. And this podcast, along with the art therapy, was to be a form of my own therapy because I, I remained silent for so long. And being in group therapy, being around other men that had been raped and abused, this podcast is for those that believe they are a victim. Well, uh, if you've been following along, I begin every podcast, every episode with a poem or story that is one of my favorites. Here recently I have been revisiting Theodore Redke, so let's go ahead and keep that going. Um, this one is taken from the 1953 publication, The Waking, and I believe that it is fitting for this episode. This poem is entitled The Waking by Theodore Redke. I wake to sleep and take my waking slow. I feel my fate in what I cannot fear. I learn by going where I have to go. We think by feeling what is there to know. I hear my being dance from ear to ear. I wake to sleep and take my waking slow. Of those so close beside me, which are you, God bless the ground. I shall walk softly there and learn by going where I have to go. Light takes the tree, but who can tell us how? The lowly worm climbs up a winding stair. I wake to sleep and take my waking slow. Great nature has another thing to do to you and me. So take the lively air and lovely learn by going where to go. This shaking keeps me steady. I should know. What falls away is always and is near. I wake to sleep and take my waking slow. I learn by going where I have to go. That was the poem written by Theodore Redke, published in 1953. It was entitled, The Waking. Well, it is now becoming common for me to bring in my own input about this week's therapy session. And this week touched upon a couple issues. 
and it was really about the utility of therapy itself. Because it really is about participation, especially for those of you, those of us, for those people that are junkies. Addiction is something that cannot be done, the causative manner cannot be done in the external because it won't last, not going to make it. It has to be done internally. But the moderator decided to go ahead and for those that wish to engage, what do they get out of the group therapy that they can't get anywhere else? Is there any redundancy? And with this one, as opposed to last week when everybody sounded off, this week was more silent. And the issue, I think, it really wasn't about telling the moderator that they were good or bad or ugly. But it really is at the heart of the idea, the concept of therapy itself. No matter what degree you're going after in the social sciences, you're always going to be dealing with the utility of something. In the same way that the teenager goes through angst, what am I, who am I, where do I belong, do, am I ever going to fit in? Am I going to be welcomed at the cool table? Am I going to be the jock? What place am I going to have in this school? And will it mean anything later on in life? And then you go through the midlife crisis. Should I have gotten married? Did I marry the wrong person? Did I have too many kids? Did I, did I pick the right school? Did I pick the right career? There is some reflection there from the teenager to the midlife crisis. And there's no reason for me to go into great depth because each of you have witnessed it for yourself. You've seen the cliche, the male and the female, plastic surgery, the Corvette, the spring-fall relationships. And it is cliche because you've got somebody that is going through their own form of what might have been. Although those questions, they seem rather simple, we find ourselves going back to the Greek Stoic. We find ourselves going back to the gymnasium. There is no reason to ask a question if you have no intent on acting on the answer. Now I do what I can to avoid going into game theory or philosophy in, in session. Again, I reiterate, I'm not trying to be anybody's teacher. But this podcast has really turned into something that has given me a chance to be, well, diagnostic about the things that I do for myself, the things that I've done to myself. And those things that have really affected my life along the way. During the beginning of this podcast, I was clean, but now I'm back using. 
and I actually feel better. It's not as if I'm trying to promote drug use, illegal activity. It's all relative, I guess. But in regards to the utility of, well, the utility of therapy, the moderator started talking about our real lives outside of group. How many people do we have in our life that we share? What kind of support system do we have? Just about everybody is in counseling, except me, caseworkers, social workers, psychiatrists. Because pills are the new institution for the 21st century and beyond. No more electric shock, no more straight jacket, no more cage. Just take a pill. A magic skittle and it'll all be better. But that's the utility of the pill, it works. When I drop acid, if I do coke, if I smoke weed, if I eat that special brownie, the Jerry Garcia brownie, it all has a utility, and the thing is, is that drugs work for a moment. But you always come back. You always, you always come back to reality. And so this week, in looking at the utility of therapy, started talking about the supporting cast that each of us have outside of therapy because we have each other in therapy, but we can't live there. We can't stay perpetually in therapy. We have to go into the outworld, and we have to deal with things. Things that many people, they don't even think about. It may be difficult. Going to a job interview, filling out an application, opening up a checking account, asking someone on a date, allowing yourself to love. Because there's a reason that we're in therapy. There's a reason that there's a group. And there are so many of us. Because you want to go through those language games. I want to heal, but I am involved. I want to love, but I am involved. I want to live, but I am involved. And at the end of the day, why am I going to therapy? Why am I here? Why do I participate? Because I am the problem. If theoretically therapy is supposed to be a progress to a desired outcome, then most of us would have to openly admit that we impede that progress. We are handicapped emotionally, mentally. And when we start talking about digging up those old, old bones, you start dealing with time. 
as a suicide, I don't keep time the way you do. Because fundamentally, I shouldn't be here. But I am. And instead of time being linear, that's your, that's your thing. Time for a suicide that was unsuccessful is nonlinear because we go back and forth, back and forth. And we pretend that we can see the future, at least see the end. We have an insight into something that you don't want to fathom, that you can't comprehend. And in regards to this causation, if it is true that it is a viable question, what is the utility of therapy, then we're going to have to look at our own lives and look at the people that we have in our lives. What value do they add? Do these people give? Do they take? Is there indifference? Because if you went to detox and then your family member dropped you in front of a bar and gave you a hundred bucks worth of cash and said, hey man, I just want to see if the detox worked. I mean, after all, temptation is biblical. Temptation has been around since there has been a human. But the problem with temptation is that the human appears to be somewhat suspect. For those of you that are religious, do you really think that what you do Monday through Saturday is glazed over on Sunday? Even if you do identify the word hypocrite, do you allow it to touch your lapel, your sleeve, your shoes? Do you put it on your mailbox? Because when I started thinking about my own support system, when I started thinking about the people that are in my life, right now at this moment, what value they have. It was very difficult. It's not as if I have quantity. I mean, I know many people, but most of them don't know me. They don't know about the rape by the teacher. They, they don't know about the drugs. They don't know about the detox. They don't know about the hospitalizations. They don't know anything that I don't want them to know. Right now I'm sitting in a room and I'm talking into a microphone that's going into an iPad and it's going to be published and people will listen to it or they won't.
But when I started thinking about the people in my life, what value do they add? In those times that I feel lonely, who do I reach out for? And are they reachable? Is there some sort of joy Because it always goes back to the idea, why am I in therapy? Well, there's something wrong. And right now, DBT is probably the most well-used therapeutic methodology. But it will be replaced by something else, another acronym somebody trying to be clever, somebody with a PhD decides to put it in a dissertation and say, hey, I can save you from being you. I can give meaning to your life. All the pain that you've suffered, I can make it go away. All you have to do is follow the program. But it's never that easy. The reason the group therapy works is because every man in that group has been through the same thing. That's the entire premise of Alcoholics Anonymous, Overeaters Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous. Everybody there knows the same thing. How could you possibly use your rent money on drugs? Well, because I'm a junkie. You see, for us, it's, it's quite simple. The idea that I can jump around from time to time, you don't do that, you can't, because you didn't try to leave. My two attempts, they were not cries for help. I just miscalculated. So, in dealing with my analysis of the past week, talking about time and talking about our life, the ability to go back to the time and try in some fantasy land world where we could go back and remove the mistakes that were made to make ourselves look better, to make ourselves feel better. Oh, I didn't really do that. That was somebody else. No, it was you. You did spend your rent money on drugs. And you told your landlord a total lie. You did that. So again and again, what is the utility of therapy? What is the utility of the people around me? What is the value of them? What do they offer me? When I need someone to talk to, who do I turn to? If I need to hold someone, if I need warmth, if I need some companionship, and there is no one there, 
There should be. But they're not. You see, regardless of what we tell ourselves in that group, the fact is, is that some of us, that group, it's what keeps us going. Because when we leave the group and we go to the out world, that's where we come across everybody like you. And you've done everything so easy peasy. And that's because you were never a victim. You weren't molested, you weren't raped. You didn't try to cover up the past. You never tried to cover up the pain by numbing yourself with alcohol or drugs. You don't understand and I don't want you to understand. I really don't. Because the only way you could understand this is to go through it and I wouldn't wish that on anybody. I want to heal, but I am involved. I want to love, but I am involved. I want to live, but I am involved. I am a handicapped person, emotionally. If you had the ability to talk to anybody that I have ever been in a relationship with, they'll tell you the same thing. You know, he's a head case, he's got something wrong. And I know it. And that's why things don't go well. It is difficult to need someone to be so needy and then for them to make a decision that, you know, you're just too needy. You get too many problems. I have to back off. And the thing is, is that when they leave, each time you act as if it had never happened before. But it is a standard procedure. People come into your life unexpectedly and they give you joy and they give value and they have merit and they give you a few moments and then they leave. And they always end up disappointing you. And you wonder to yourself, did you disappoint them? Because at the end, it is me, myself, and I. And I am broken, and I am flawed. And I am afraid. I am a coward. And whatever progress is made in therapy, because I am there and I participate, I impede my own progress. The moderator stays positive.
but everybody has to play their role. There has to be a moderator, and there has to be a patient, and there has to be a victim, and there has to be somebody in the room that understands. And that's supposed to make it all better. I want to heal. But maybe I am as healed as I'm going to be. I have tried to forgive the teacher. But as of yet, it hasn't happened. I want to love, but I am involved. And I'm not really sure if I want to live because I am involved. What is the utility of being surrounded by people and still feeling alone? Except when you're in that group. For one whole hour a week Birds of a feather, brothers in arms, victims unite. But for the rest of the time, it is just me, myself, and I. I would like to tell myself that there are people in my life that I can trust and that I can count on, but that's not true. My story is too dark. And it is too painful. And as an American, nobody really likes a quitter. And it is embarrassing when you do try to kill yourself, but you fail. It is embarrassing. Because that's not the way it's supposed to end. Because there is supposed to be an end. The nightmare is over. Or it's supposed to be. And for those of us that are addicts, we're the ones that act like a cancer. We suck the, the joy out of life, the marrow, out of the bones of everybody we know, friends, family, foe, strangers. We are an albatross. What we do is illegal. But there is always a reason there is always a reason that somebody wants to escape. There's always a reason somebody wants to be numb. Because if you're not satisfied, you're going to keep looking, you're going to keep hunting until you find what you're looking for. Because you're not satisfied. 
and in my diagnostic analysis of therapy, why do I go to therapy? Is it to be a bung just for an hour? Other men that have been through the same thing? Or do I go to therapy because I am not satisfied? If I were to ever become satisfied, would it make everything go away? Would it make a difference? When I thought about the poem for this episode, I knew that it was going to be Redke. I knew it. But it's strange because Redke played a big role in my life as I matriculated through college. But when I started working, poetry just kind of fell off the radar. But those last few lines, those last few lines that make that poem, The Waking, I wake to sleep and take my waking slow. I learn by going where I have to go. In therapy, where do I go? I went to sleep. But I don't go there to dream. And maybe, just maybe, I don't want to wake up. Well, I think that's all I had for this show. You have been listening to the podcast, The Leaves of a Victim Nevermore with Stephen Wilson. My name is Stephen Wilson, and I hope that you will be a blessing, and I hope that you will find serenity. Thank you for listening.